Good morning. How's it going? I was just joking with Marcus. I went up too early last service, and I just, you know, waiting for the song to get over. So I'm glad you're here today. It's, uh, it's great to be with you. My name is Jonathan Murley. I'm the Global Missions Pastor here at Jubilee Fellowship, and we're in a new series called The Amazing Race, and it's going to be a good series. Before we get into that, I want to do a couple of things, first of all. I want to thank Pastor John for the opportunity to share something that is near and dear and close to my heart that I'm passionate about, but I think more importantly, what God is passionate about. He's passionate about the nations. He's passionate about the world. And so, Pastor John, I just want to thank you for that opportunity. And over the next couple of weeks, we will actually uh, be doing this series. We have some missionary friends that are coming in, different missionary friends. And this weekend, we have some friends from an organization that we have worked with in Nepal, uh, Jack and Josh. And I'm so excited that they are here. You guys feel welcome this weekend. Make yourselves at home. Uh, But they're with an organization that we actually took a a trek to, uh, took a mission trip to, to Nepal this last April. And we're going to do it again this coming April. I got to trek 73 miles in the Himalayas of Nepal. Uh, take a helicopter up to the place that we got dropped off at and then trek out. So that's just a little glimpse of some of the cool things that we're going uh, to be doing and talking about over the next couple of weeks. But we are going to talk about missions. And what is missions? Why do we care about that? Why should you care about missions? Because every one of us has a role and every one of us has a, has a place. We built this series on a scripture from Hebrews, Hebrews 12.1. And Hebrews 12.1 says this, All these many people who have had faith in God are around us like a cloud. Let us put everything out of our lives that keeps us from doing what we should. Let us keep running in the race that God has planned for us. And I hope to, at least in part, help you answer that question about what is that race that God has for you. He's got a race for every single one of us. Campus says he is a race for every single one of us. When I was a kid, I loved watching shows that were about exotic places around the world. My sister was here last night, and she reminded me of how we used to fight over the television, watching National Geographic and whatever uh, show she wanted to watch. She was six years older than I was. Um, But I liked watching National Geographic when I was even just a little kid. When my friends and I would be out on the playground, they would talk about being pro football players or policemen or firemen or whatever they talked about. I talked about being an explorer and going to far off lands and climbing mountains. Even when I was a kid, when commercials would come on for organizations like Feed the Hungry, the one that I remember is uh, is in Ethiopia. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and it was a young boy and he was in Ethiopia, and his arms were about the size of half, uh, half dollars, the, the diameter of a half dollar, and his legs were just a little bit more, and he had a fly on his face, and he didn't have the strength to swat that fly away from his face. Even from a young age, I wanted to see the exotic and amazing places in the world, but I wanted to see the hurting and the war-torn and the hungry and the poor, even to this day, I would rather watch a show of Expedition Unknown or Globe Trekker. In fact, last night, my wife can attest to that. I went home and I watched Anthony Bourdain, and he was in Laos in Vietnam. 
I would rather watch that than watch football. I'm a part of a football, uh, fantasy football league, but I'd rather watch something like, like I just watched than, than football, to be honest with you. I see all you with uh, shirts on, with uh, Bronco shirts. So when The Amazing Race came on 30 seasons ago, in 2003, can you imagine the, the travel and adventure geek in me just went absolutely nuts, right? 30 seasons, that's, that's pretty long-standing for any TV show, much less a, a reality TV show. The host, Phil Kogan, was asked, why is it so popular? And he said this, the amazing race exposes Americans to a world they don't see in primetime TV. Most of what they see on TV is about war, about a person killed over here or over there, and the natural disasters that are seemingly happening every other day. At The Amazing Race, we present a world that seems inviting with people who are warm and helpful and not this big scary place that if you get in a plane, you're going to go be killed by traveling to some foreign land. But I have a question for you. Is An Amazing Race just something that we get to watch on TV for 46 minutes and it's just for those 20 contestants that are on that show? Or is An Amazing Race something that all of us can partake in? Is an amazing race something that all of us can partake in? You know, in our roll-in, you could have mistaken that we just took that from the TV series, but that video that's in there is all video from places that we have gone. It's all places that we have gone, we've taken trips, places that we have missionaries, and places that we have gone to share the gospel. I've set foot in every every place that was in that video. So this weekend, let's go on a journey together. Let's go on a journey together to discover why we care about missions, why we care about the world that is around us, and why you as an individual, you as a family, can and really should, because it's commanded to us, impact the world that's around you. But you know, it's not a, it's not a burden not onerous. In fact, it's quite joyful. It's quite adventurous. It's the best joy that I've ever had in my life when I've given my life away and have gone to the ends of the earth to share the gospel. It's amazing when we can invest our lives in something greater than us and in something that's bigger than us. Has anybody ever heard of Rick Warren? He wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. He says this, Significance doesn't come from status because you can always find someone with more than you. It doesn't come from sex. It doesn't come from salary. It comes from serving. It's in giving our lives away that we find meaning and significance. And it's the way that we were wired by God himself. Do you know that you were wired by God himself to find meaning and significance? That's not, a, that's not a worldly thing. We were meant to find that. But too often, we search for that in places that are fleeting. I have done that. I have searched for my significance in money, in goals. And there's nothing wrong with those things, right? There's nothing actually wrong with having things, with having money. But what has you do those things have you? Or do you recognize that we have been blessed
to be a blessing. That's scriptural. We have been blessed to be a blessing, and God wants to bless you. But not just so you can acquire more, so that you can be a blessing to those that are around you and to the world, to the ends of the world. That's why. That's why he has blessed you. So why do we care about reaching the world here at Jubilee Fellowship? First and foremost, we care about reaching the world with the love of Christ because God cared about reaching the world with the love of Christ. Most of us know John 3.16. It says, "For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Every woman, every man, every child from every nation. Think about this. Every nation is going to be represented at God's throne when it's all said and done. Right? Notice it didn't say, it didn't say in here that he came to make Christians more like Western Christians. Like every Hindu, every Buddhist, every Muslim, we need to convert them so they look more like us, their food tastes like us, their songs sound like ours. There's actually going to be a beautiful orchestra in heaven with people from every tribe, nation, and tongue at God's throne. The entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about missions. Specifically, Genesis 12 to the end of Revelation is about God's redemptive plan to bring all mankind back into relationship with him. One of my favorite quotes is if you take missions out of the Bible, you won't have anything left but the covers. If you extricate the story of God's plan to bring all men and women back into relationship with him, you'll have the front leather cover and you'll have the back leather cover. There won't be anything left because the entire Bible is about missions. The second reason we care about reaching the world is because we want to be obedient disciples of Jesus. Jesus said it at the end of Matthew, and something you probably know is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So that word go means to go. It doesn't mean anything else. It's not been messed up, mistranslated. It means to take a journey and to go from the place that you are to another place. But it actually means something a little bit more more full. There's a fuller understanding that I want to share with us. If you translate that word in the Greek, the word is poryuthentes, and it actually adds ing on the end of it, as in going, going about your life, going about your business. So a full understanding of the Great Commission is to go, is to go to the, the far off distant lands to share the good news. But it's also as you're going about your business, as you're going about your life. So if you want to think of it like this, Jesus would say, hey, 
as you go to a construction site, as you go to your office, as you go to your place of work, as you go shopping, make disciples. As you go about your business and as you go about your life and the places that you go, make disciples of everyone you come into contact with. When you go to the ends of the earth, make disciples. That's a full understanding of the Great Commission. And it's not one without the other. It's both of those things. It's both of those aspects. The third reason we care about the world is that this is a really critical time in the history of earth. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but there's quite a bit going on. There's actually nothing new under the sun. There's always been things going on. But I think we're at a really critical time in history where taking that great commission to heart is more important than it's ever been. The world is growing at a rate faster than it has ever grown before. It took just 12 years to add the last 1 billion people to the Earth's planet, the population of the Earth's planet. 1 billion people. It's like compound interest. It's starting out slow, it has started out slow, and now it's gaining momentum. A large part of that is coming from an area of the world called the 1040 window. The 1040 window is from the 10th parallel to the 40th parallel, from North Africa, the west part of North Africa, all the way through the Middle East, into Asia and South Asia, and then Southeast Asia, China, Indonesia. That's an area of the world that is growing the fastest. And by the way, it has the most spiritual and physical needs of all the world. Eight out of 10 of the poorest of the poor people live in that band right there. There are poor all over. We care about all of the world. But that area in particular has the most, most poor of the world. That area of the world has, um, has spiritual darkness. It's the areas of the world where the world's major religions, including Judaism and Christianity, were, were started. That's why we care about all the world, but in particular about the 1040 window. There's a, a concept that I want to share with you, and it's saved versus unsaved and, law, and uh, unreached versus unreached. Is it semantic or is there actually a difference? Saved and unsaved, reached and unreached. I live 1.2 miles from here. Oftentimes I can walk, but I can certainly drive over within a few minutes. And I know that I walk by and go by people that are unsaved. But the reality is, is that they can walk or drive to two good churches, this church and the church that are across the street, that believe and preach Jesus, that believe in the Bible. And contrast that with the reached and unreached. The people, mainly in the 1040 window, that are unreached aren't more lost than the neighbors that I go by. But they are unreached in the sense that they don't have access to the gospel. There aren't groups of believers that are around them that can reach their own. There aren't churches, there aren't house churches in many of these places that can reach their own. I have personally talked with people that have no idea who Jesus is. 
They have never even heard of him. They have never even seen a Bible, never heard about the story, never heard that there is a good news out there because the gods of other religions aren't as good as our God. Amen. They are random, they are vengeful, and they, you can get to a place with that God by doing good works, but he can also change his mind. Those gods can also change their mind. And they're not like our God, the one true God. Amen. So the issue isn't their lostness, but it's their access to the gospel. There are people in the United States that haven't heard the gospel, but they could if they wanted to. Most people living in the 1040 window couldn't find out about Jesus even if they wanted to. There are 3.6 billion unreached in the world today. They're unreached for many different reasons. As I mentioned before, the world's major religions were started there. Sometimes even the physical nature of the countries where they live. I've mentioned Nepal. The place that we went to in Nepal, I could clearly see why they're unreached. Because I had to take a helicopter to get there. There's no roads. There's a trail. There's a trail like this, sometimes with a thousand foot drop off the side. We saw donkeys that had fallen off of that because the only way to get there is by donkey or walking or helicopter. That's the only way. You see villages on the side of a mountain that there's a small path to get up there. Some of them are difficult to access from a physical standpoint. There's spiritual issues there. Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And one of the biggest reasons why those parts of the world are unreached is because there is a lack of Christians willing to go to these places. There's a statistic that uh, I'm not exactly sure of the accuracy, but it'll, it'll give you a good idea of what it's talking about. They say that every, of every $100 that's given to Christian causes or missions, five cents, a nickel of that $100 gets to the unreached. I know it's true. It's not true of this church, and I want to increase that number, but of every $100, five cents gets to the unreached. That's a staggering statistic. And remember, this is an area of the world that has the most need. This is why we care about the world and why we invest our time and our resources in all areas of the world, but especially the 1040 window. In a show like The Amazing Race and any reality uh, television, in the last couple of services, we've had people that have tried out for, uh, for reality series. But they do a casting call. Right? So they're looking for the right mix of people to make the show a success, aren't they? Who are they looking for? They're looking for conservatives. They're looking for liberals. They're looking for uh, some emotionally unstable people, right? <laughs> I remember the last season of The Amazing Race. There's, there's this... this uh, this pair, they were, they were paired up. They didn't know each other before they actually got to the location where they started racing. 
And there was this guy and this girl that got paired up. And they were so different than each other. And this girl would yell at the guy every time. And they were in a, they were in a challenge and she would just scream at him. And you would just see him just like, oh my word, where can I find a new partner? But they're looking for some traditional, eccentric. They're looking for the right mix of people to make the show a success. A few years ago, my wife and I were in London. We were doing some work in London. We flew over, uh, left on a Saturday. Our work started on a Monday, so we arrived on Sunday morning, and all we wanted to do was go to the hotel and get some rest. We went to the hotel, tried to check in. They said, the inn is full, just like Joseph and Mary with Jesus, right? The inn's full. So we didn't have any place to kind of rest ourselves. And I said, why is the, why is the hotel so full? It seems like there's a lot of there's a lot going on. They said, but the London Marathon is going on today. So I looked at my wife and I said, let's just go look. Let's go watch the, watch the race. So we found a spot over by Tower Bridge, got a coffee, and waited for the, the racers to come by. The first people that came by were incredibly fit, incredibly fast. It looked like they had like, uh, motors in their legs, right? They were just flying by, certainly not how I run. But pretty soon after that, it was most of the people were like you and me. There were 38,000 people that were running. There were millions that lined the road. 38,000 people. And each of those people had a unique story. There were some people that had lost a significant amount of weight and were running. There were some people that still had a significant amount of weight on them and they were running. There were veterans. There were people that were amputees. There were cancer survivors, and there were people who were still fighting cancer. Every one of them had a unique story. If you've ever seen the finish of uh, the Ironman triathlon, when every triathlete finishes, they say, they call it their name, Joe Smith, you are an Ironman. And oftentimes they tell about their stories. Whenever I watch it, I I actually just, I cry. I cry like a big, big baby. (laughs) Because it's so touching. And in a cast and in a race, everyone has a story. Each of us has a story. And it takes each of us to make God's story a success. It takes each of us to make that race that he talks about in Hebrews 12.1. It takes each of us to make that race a success. God is looking for all kinds of people to answer the call. He's looking for the broken. He's looking for those that know they're not perfect. He's looking for those that still have stuff going on in their lives. And you know what? It's okay to have stuff going on in your lives. God has a plan for you. He still wants to use you. And in fact, may I submit to you that very thing, the very thing that the enemy has meant in your life to kill, steal, and destroy from you, God wants to flip that around and use that thing to crush the head of the enemy. In Romans 8, 28, it says, we know that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are chosen to be part of his plan. That is the good news. Amen. 
That is the good news of the gospel because God has chosen you. By the way, he's chosen every one of us. Campuses, he has chosen every one of us to be part of his plan. And that very thing that the enemy has meant for harm, God will turn that around and use that for good and for God in this world. There's a scripture from 1 Corinthians that I want to share with you. 12, 4 through 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who gives them. There are different kinds of work to be done for him, but the work is for the same Lord. There are different ways of doing his work, but it is the same God who uses all these ways in all people. The Holy Spirit works in each person in one way or another for the good of all. And just like all 38,000 people that were running in London that day, each one of us has a unique story that God wants to use to fulfill his plan. There's a, a story from Exodus, Exodus 4-2. And this is about the time when Moses had seen God in the burning bush and God had talked to him. And then God calls him to set his people free. And Moses starts coming up with all sorts of excuses. He was the master excuse maker. And God did not let him out. He did not let him out. He did not let him free, let him free from making those excuses. He said, I can't talk well. They won't listen to me. They don't like me. And then Moses asks him, excuse me, God asks Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses replies, it's a shepherd's staff. You know, God didn't ask Moses what was in his hand because he didn't know what was in his hand. You know, he's God. He knows everything. He asked Moses what was in his hand because he wanted to call his attention to what was in his hand, what his influence, what his identity, and what his income was. And I want to ask you a question. What's in your hand? What skills, what training, what education, what influence? What is in your hand? Because just like when Moses threw that staff down, what happened? It became a snake. Something miraculous happened when he threw that down. Then he picked it back up and it became a staff again. I want to submit to you that that thing that's in your hand that God has allowed you to do, that you like to do, that you're good at, that you've been trained at, God wants to do something miraculous with that. He wants to use that thing or those things in your life to do the miraculous, to change the world. His identity, he was a shepherd, right? His income, he had livestock. He had lots of livestock, livestock. And it was his influence. He could steer and he could direct and he could poke and prod and pull. That's the meaning of the staff. What do you have in your life that you can influence others. God smiles on you when you do that thing that you were created to do. Truth be known, he smiles at you just because you're his, because he loves you, but it brings him great joy when you do that thing that you were created to do. 
for his glory. Simple obedience changes history. Simple obedience to the thing that God is calling you to, that he's speaking to your heart. I even got some text messages last night from some people that I know that was stirring in their heart. Like, I've been having this on my mind. God has been speaking to me, to me about this. Can we talk about this? Simple obedience, stepping towards and to that thing that he's calling you to will change history. I want to show a quick video as we finish up here about a story and an earthly example of what I think our Father God in heaven is like. So if we can show the video, please. Morning, Rick. This answer has two parts. First, our first race was to show someone who had an acquired disability that life goes on, and he could lead a productive life. The second reason for running is to be an inspiration to others, you see. It gives me a great feeling inside to see other families run with their family member with a disability, or for people without disabilities to push people who are disabled in races. Rick was attending uh, a basketball game and they made an announcement that one of the cross players from the college was in an accident. He was paralyzed in the waist down. So they're gonna have a charity road race to try to help him raise some money so he could pay his medical bills. Well, Rick came home from that basketball game and he said, Dad, I have to do something for him. I wanna let him know that life goes on even though he's paralyzed. I want to run in the race. Well, at the time, I was 40 years old. I was not a runner, but we went down to the race and we finished the whole five miles coming in next to last, but not last. When we got home that night, Rick wrote on his computer, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like my disability disappears, which was a very powerful message to me. If you think about it, somebody can't talk, use their arms and their legs, and now they're out there running. The disability disappears. We have finished 1,091 race events in 34 years, including 252 triathlons, six of which are Ironman distances, 70 marathons, including 30 Boston marathons, 94 half marathons, and 155 5K races. When we first started running, I used to run for Rick, 
but now I'm out there running because we run together as a team. And it's got him in the best shape of his life, and it's got me in the best shape of my life that I've ever been in. You know, I'm 73 years old. Rick is 51 years old. He still can't talk, use his arms and his legs, but he's graduated from Boston University. He lives all by himself in his own apartment. And Rick and I have competed in over 1,000 athletic events in the past 34 years. We are affecting people all over the world, and they're out competing because of us. They're out there running. It's just amazing to us that it's happened. This coming year is going to be our 31st Boston Marathon, and there's going to be a life-size bronze statue of us at the starting line. From the doctor saying he's going to be nothing but a vegetable, now he's going to be a bronze statue. It doesn't come any better than that. We're Team Hoyt, and we run for the people who think they can't run. I had a similar reaction to some of you when I was searching for that video. I was in my office, the door shut, just bawling like a baby, just watching that. I pull a couple of things from that story. The first thing is that God wants to use your story to inspire others. He wants to use your unique experience, the good, bad, the ugly, the mundane, to inspire others in this world. But not just to inspire them, to show them God's goodness, his grace, his mercy, his unfailing love. He wants to use you to inspire others towards God. The second thing that I get from that is I see his heart, God's heart. I see his heart for me. And all missions is, really, is about getting his heart for me and then giving it to the world simply is about receiving his amazing grace and giving it to the world. That's what missions is about. As we're going and as we go, that is what missions is about. It's about receiving his love for us and giving it to everyone we come into contact with. The thing that God has you to do you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with him. So as we come to the end of the message, I want to uh, just ask you, what is that thing that's in your hand? Are you using it for your glory, for your benefit, or are you using it for God's glory and God's benefit? May I submit to you that when you do it for God's glory and benefit, that's where you're going to find that meaning and significance that you're looking for. On a real practical note, through this series, we have a focus on missions, and it's going to culminate with an event that we have called the Global Launch on Tuesday, October 17th, right here at this campus at 7 p.m. For the campuses, the reason why we do it at this campus is just because we have hundreds of people that are gonna be here, we need the room. But I wanna invite all of the campuses to come. It's for everyone. 
So on Tuesday, October 17th, we're going to have a great event. I'm biased for sure, but I think it's one of the best things that we do all year round. But we have a focus on missions. We have a great, really amazing worship. You guys like worship at Christmas? It's like that. It's, it's amazing. We have a, we'll have a message. And then we'll have a kind of a job fair style focus on what is involved. What are we doing around the world? And you may say, hey, I'm not going to go to Africa. I'm not going to go to Asia. I don't want to trek 73 miles in the Himalayas. Well, we have something for you. We have all of these experiences. We have nine or ten experiences around the world. From, by the way, and four, the youngest to the oldest. We have four and five-day experiences that don't cost a lot of money. We have some that are longer that cost more money. But we also have uh, a Hurricane Harvey response team that's going to go at the very beginning of November. Join that. We have a four-day trip to Mexico. Four days over a weekend. You can do that. We have areas to get involved with, with here at, at Jubilee, at all of our campuses, and local outreaches. There's something as we're doing the Great Commission here and as we're doing the Great Commission out there, there's something for all of us to be, to be a part of and get involved in. And then another reason why you might just want to come is because we have a drawing. We actually have five drawings for scholarships towards these, between $500 and $1,500 that will go towards our trips and these experiences. So come, come to the Global Launch, Tuesday, October 17th. Go on one of our short-term mission trips. We've taken over 1,000 people since I've been the missions pastor on short-term mission trips. Learn about the world. You know, when you watch the news, do you watch it just for information or do you take it through the filter of what is God doing in the world and pray for certain things that happen and that are happening? You can send someone. Here's the deal. Not all of us are gonna go but all of us are called to be part. So what does that look like? We can welcome in somebody, right? Refugees, think about that. Are there any people from foreign lands that are in your neighborhood? My wife and I were just noting the other day, we went to Costco and Sprouts. We felt like we were in little India. There were tons of South Asians that were there, right? We live in a global world. The world has actually come to us as well as we go to the world. What are you doing to share the gospel with those that are around you and show good to others and show God to others? You can send someone by encouragement or financial support. You can support a long-term missionary. And always keep in mind that when you give to Jubilee Fellowship, we actually take a tithe of that. You're change in the world when you give and you're supporting missions through that. So thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. And God bless you.